So how's everybody? After your couple of weeks um, in solitude. Uh, I don't mind solitude. I quite enjoy it when we're locked down. And uh, I thought it was a great time for the ladies to um, catch up cleaning and uh, do things that you normally would never do. Clean out cupboards. How many of you are on board with that? But anyway, here we are, we're back together again. I'm really glad that we're, uh, that, that we're meeting again and I hope that we continue doing this. But one of the things that I notice when we're um, going through really interesting times, are we not? And, um, you know, you can read a lot of things that are going on um, in the world. There's a lot of conflicting information, a lot of conflicting news and things like that. But sometimes one of the best things you can do is just draw back and simplify your life and keep things simple. So I want to talk today just, um, just about some basic keys for living life well. I was doing Peter's um, thesis. This, I've been typing his thesis, which is on hearing from, having confidence in hearing from God. And... We're talking about some of the spiritual exercises now. If you're not Catholic background, you probably would have never heard of this man, but Ignatius Loyola was started the Jesuits. And, of course, they, um, they really took a hold of education and travelled into all the parts of the world that hadn't been inhabited and established missionary works. And, uh, but one of the things that they really did was to build what they call the examens, which is how to keep your inner life strong. And so I think one of the, the really important things, when we go through hard times, one of the keys is keeping our own inner life really strong. And this is what one of the things I typed up this week from Ignatius, who said this, in every good choice, as far as depends upon us, our intention must be simple. I must consider only the end for which I am created, that is, for the praise of God our Lord and for the salvation of my soul. You know, when things get difficult, I'm just going to take my Bible. When things get difficult, we can pull it back to just that one thing. It's about Jesus. You know, let's not complicate it. Just bring it back to Jesus. I love... Um, I was reading Psalm 137, just a couple of selected verses from here this week. And it says this. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Our chief joy should be to praise him and to worship him. Is that not true? Can I hear an amen this morning? Don't get too quiet on me. I need some encouragement today. Lots of encouragement. Okay. Have a look at Psalm 37. Now we go from 137 to 37. This is a great psalm for now because he says... Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. 
for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the herb. Now, how's that a good start to every morning? Don't be afraid. Don't fret. You know, fret only causes harm. When we talk about things in the world and how difficult things are, we can fret about it. But God says it'll only do harm. Take a hold of a promise. It says this, verse 17, The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. How many of you are righteous here today? Who's upholding you today? (laughs) Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. What a great promise. Verse 19 says, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Now, how good is that? In the days of famine. We were a bit worried yesterday that we might be heading into a day of famine. Prue went down to get some rump steak and she said, they haven't got any rump steak. They said, there's shortages. And I went, oh. And of course, that's happening because New South Wales is in lockdown, right? Apparently, I, th- I gather from the northern New South Wales properties, it's not getting over the border. And I said, Peter, there could be a meat shortage. So we quickly raced up to the IGA at Daisy Hill and just bought a tonne of meat. <laughs> we found the steak. <laughs> So we are not going to be short in the day of famine. (laughs) So if you run out, you need some steak, steak, come to my house. (laughs) We'll throw the steak on the barbie. No more throw the shrimp on the barbie, okay? No, no, no. That's gone. Throw the steak on the barbie. We're going to have our steak. And then we were driving on the way home and I said to Peter after we came out with our copious bags of meat, on the way home we're going, I suppose we could have fish. (laughs) Um, There is a couple of chicken farms not too far away. I suppose we could have chicken. (laughs) Oh dear. But the promise of God is for us today. He says, in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied, okay? So just take a hold of that one and just, um, you know, and apart from the fact Peter and I like to support our, our beef industry and we support our sugar industry <laughs> and we support our um, dairy industry, <laughs> you know. Oh dear. Some of you support the dairy industry better than others. Seraphas, Gloria Jeans. You know, I know some of you guys just spend your life at those places. Heaven forbid if they should shut down the coffee places. <laughs> what would we do? Oh, Mike, see? That's it. We shall not suffer in the day of famine. Oh, well, it doesn't actually say that. It says... <sighs> some of you might have to suffer. You'd be satisfied, but you might be suffering, Okay. Because you can't get your steak or you can't get your coffee. Hmm. Anyway. So my highest joy, let's move on from point one. My highest joy is Jesus. Every morning, every evening, get up and say, thank you, Lord. I'm thankful that I live in Queensland. I'm really grateful I don't live in western suburbs of Sydney where they are now putting fencing around the suburbs. I mean, how wicked, how wicked is that? 
sensing your suburbs. I think those people in Western Sydney probably still feel like they're back in the countries they left, <laughs> wanted to come back from, you know, said, didn't we escape this? Yeah. But, you know, there's some... It's difficult today. Things are, are difficult. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not fret because of evildoers. They will be cut down like the herb. Verse 11. The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. For the greenies, I just want you to know, it's the meek that will inherit the earth. Okay? <laughs> Those people who scream and say, oh, the earth is fading away, I just sit there and say, well, you know what, I'm going to inherit it. <laughs> I'm not worried about the earth. Now, when we look back, you know, let me just give you a big picture a bit today that God has blessed us. I guess my first point is that we should be thankful because God has really blessed us. How many of you feel blessed today? Are you blessed? You got up? You know, Justin's blessed. He had us, all his family came and helped him lay his lawn yesterday on Saturday. Blessed to have good family. You know, he's just going to give us a feast or something to say thanks. We're blessed. We've got everything we need. We do not lack a thing. Everything is good. But one of the things that I was meditating, I got up in the middle of the night the other day and I started reading... Deuteronomy chapter 4, 3, 4 and 5. I got up to do my daily reading and I got so carried away with Deuteronomy that I forgot. So that was my reading for the day. But what I realised, what I, what I discovered was that the blessing is not just for you, it's for others. In this season, when things are tough, the blessings of God are not just for you, they're for others. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And the blessing starts with Abraham, does it not? He says in Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. See, when God blessed Abraham, he said, I'm not just blessing you and yours. I've got a bigger picture in mind. I'm blessing you because I want to bring nations out of you. Yes. He said, it's not just what I'm providing for you. Abraham was very wealthy, had everything. And he had multi multiples of wives and children, some things like that we may not want. But he had multitudes of family. He had a huge family. And God had something bigger in mind. Can I say about your life today, God has got something bigger in mind than just you. God wants to bless you. But he not only wants to bless you, he wants to bless your family and your family's family, your children and your grandchildren. He wants to do great things through you. God says it's not just about you. Seasons of blessing... And we're going to, I think, learn this, that, that he wants us to be fruitful. And the interesting thing is that it's never, this, this whole principle of God has never changed. He tells us in um, Luke 3.19, let me just turn this thing. I didn't give Louise this, I didn't give Louise this scripture. Luke 3.19 says this. 
not verse 19. I don't know why I found that one. It says, verse 7, he says, Who warned you to flee the wrath to come? When John the Baptist was preaching, he said, verse 8, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. Ha, ha, ha. He says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. See, the command has never stopped. It's bigger than you. God says, bear fruit. But I'm in a famine. I'm in a season of lack. I'm in a season where I'm locked down. And God still says the same thing. He says, oh, well, if things are locked up, you know, you, you don't have to do anything. It hasn't changed. God's command has never changed to his people. It's to go forth and, and multiply Go forth and bring forth fruit. And in fact, Jesus says, if you are not fruitful, he's going to cut you out of the vine. Now, there's a, a, a sobering thought. God says, I want you to produce. That's always been in the heart of God. You're not just blessed, you're for and no more. And it tells us, if now turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3. He says, in verse 2, here we have the Israelites now wandering in the wilderness, right? They've come out of Egypt and God is, is blessing the nation, bringing them into the land that he's promised them. But they're on their way in and, of course, there's all sorts of stuff happening. He says, do not fear him, the enemy, right? The other king, king of Og, king of Bashan. He said, do not fear him, for I've delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand. See, this has always been about the land. For you, it's about your land. What's the land? It's what everything that you have. It's about the blessing of God. That's your land. It's the, uh, the fruitfulness in your land, your harvest, your blessing, your money, your children, your health. All those things are the land, right? And he says to you, verse 4, we took all the cities at the time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities. Verse 5. All these cities were fortified with high walls, gates and bars. And verse 6. Underline it. And we utterly destroyed them. How are you feeling today in this lockdown? Sometimes you feel like, oh, I can't do anything. Here they are taking cities. These are walled cities. These are cities with gates. How many of you remember the city of Jericho? And they look at the, and they go, oh, it's too hard. What are we going to do? And Joshua hears from God and he says, I want you to march around the walls seven times. And then on the seventh time he says, I want you to shout. Now, who has heard of such a thing? How ridiculous. Ah, you have. Good on you. I love these kids. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, can you guys just get a bit more excited like that over there? Okay. Radio, come on. He says, who's heard of this? Just walk around seven times. Don't say a word. When you open your mouth, you go to shout. Sometimes we just should shut our mouths, you know. We actually get ourselves into too much trouble. Just stay silent. The Bible actually says even a fool looks wise when he shuts his mouth. So he says, walk around and then we're going to shout. 
These are walled cities. There's things in your life that are like walled cities. You might have a report from the doctor telling you something is so, and you, uh, it's a walled city. And God says that, does it matter? He says, we utterly destroyed these cities. Are you going to stand there and listen to the words of the enemy taunt you and say, oh, you can't have that, you can't have health, oh, you can't have healing, oh, no, you can't have prosperity. God, you just sit there and go, look at all this is happening to me. You know, someone described to me one day that they felt like God had a caterpillar in the sky and he kept on dropping a boot on them. It doesn't matter because God says that we utterly destroy our enemies. He says, if I fall down... Seven times, I'm going to get up. See, that's the attitude God's saying to us today to have. And he says, I've blessed you and you'll be a blessing. And I want to make you exceedingly fruitful. He says in Matthew 16, 18, um, go into all the world. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But Matthew 28, 19 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do these things. Raise your voice. Declare the word of God. I am blessed to be a blessing. Now, of course, as we go to take the land, this is what happens. The enemy declares war. Is that not true? Have you ever tried to say, I'm going to take something for God. I'm going to believe God for this. I'm going to do something I've never done before. What happens? All hell breaks loose, right? You think, I'm going to believe God for this. And all of a sudden, your kids get sick. Your husband has a fight with you or your wife or your, you know, or your friend or your girlfriend, your whatever. And you sit there and think, what happened? And it's all because you actually stand up and say, hey, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to, I'm going to have this, what God says I can have. You're going to put your foot over the line and take the land. And the enemy has said. Now, turn with me just to Matthew 21. We need to understand we're in a war. I think the war we're in in the world at the moment is different to any war we've ever seen. There's no bombs getting dropped on countries. There's certainly a fight going on for the things that we value and the things that we truthfully care about. There's a, I think there's a war on truth. It says in, in Matthew 21 verse 33, here's a parable describing the kingdom of God and it says there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and he set a hedge around it dung a wine press in it and built a tower and he leased it to vine dressers who went into a far country now when vintage time drew near see season of fruitfulness he sent his servants to the vine dressers that he might receive its fruit and the vine dressers took the servants beat one killed one, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did likewise to them. There's some killing going on. Then last of all, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize the inheritance. Now, just quickly, have a look with me at Psalm 83. Psalm 83 and verse 4. I love this. 
Because the psalmist here is crying out to God and he says, Do not keep silent. Do not hold your peace. Do you not hear your enemies? They make a tumult. A tumult is like a confused mob. You actually see the word in the book of Acts when Peter or Paul got up to preach or to deliver someone or, or bring um, healing to someone. The, um, whatever they did, the enemy got mad and stirred up a tumult. So it's a confusing mob. Okay. And he says, those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. Because they have said, now this is um, a battle. David was fighting natural battles. We fight today spiritual battles. So we have enemies who have suddenly said, when you decide as a Christian, you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to step into the land. I'm going to take a hold of the blessings that God's offered me. God's given me health and wholeness and healing and strength. God's giving me the land. And you think, yes, I want the land. And then all of a sudden the devil says, look at that. They're taking the land. We're going to do this. Come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. They want to seize the possession. Verse 12 actually says this, it says it better. Who have said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. What's happening today? The enemy is taking the pastures of God for his possession. Probably been doing it for a lot of years, really. We'll have that church. We're going to set it up as a coffee shop or we're going to set it up as a, as a rage place, you know, where they can dance into the middle of the night. Taking the pastures of God for their possession. See, there's a war. The enemy is wanting to take and seize the land. And it actually goes on. If you go back to Deuteronomy in chapter 4, he says that they become fewer and fewer in number. Because the enemy gets up and says, you know, we're not going to let you have this. And at some point in your life, when the enemy starts to seize the land, some point you've got to say, no more. And if you don't say no more, the enemy just keeps picking off all your blessings. We think we don't have to fight. Let me ask you, if you're naturally pacifist and you don't like who likes fighting? Except me, I... I like a good fight. Like, spiritually, I just love getting in there. I say to the devil, I say, we laugh you to scorn. Who are you? I'm going to see that God's going to put a hook in your nose and just take you back from whence he came. You know, I like that kind of fight in the spirit. But I know I've paid a price for some of that too. And as soon as you decide and you say, hey, you know what? No more. Because they want the land. They want the pastures of God. They want the pastures of God here in Australia. Just recently, they tried to stop the Lord's Prayer from being said in Parliament. And I'm very happy to say that that was put down. Hallelujah. What are they doing? Picking the cherries off the tree. They're trying to destroy the land until there's fewer and fewer in number. What did they do with the census? They're trying to get all the 37 different genders put on it. I, don't, I think that has been rejected, actually. Um, oh, heaven to Betsy. Who is, who is putting up this stuff? You know, I sit there and I go, where is this coming from? It's like these faceless, wicked wonders. And you think, who is putting forth these ideas? And, and all it is is to pull down truth. See, they are looking in Psalm 83. Come on. 
let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. But it says in Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And in Psalm 83, verse 13, it says, Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. I prophesy it. Every wicked plan coming against Australia, in Jesus' name, Lord, make them like chaff before the wind. (sighs) Make them like the whirling dust and blow them. See, one breath from his nostril (sighs) destroys the plans of the wicked. And you've got to say, whose breath does God use? Yours. Point four. I want to talk about it. We've got to make Jesus our highest joy. We've got to remember the blessings of God are not just for us, they're for everyone and those coming after us. You've got to raise your voice. Let me just give you a thought about raising your voice. Because until the church starts to raise its voice, and until it starts to raise its voice in a lot of places, America needs to raise its voice. Australia needs to raise its voice. England needs to raise its voice. The church. The church sits by and waits and says, oh, let someone else do it. Don't we do that? We say, oh, somebody else, they can get up and do it. I tell you what, I don't want to stand up and be the first one to say something and get whacked in prison or get a $100,000 fine. All of us sit there and we're waiting. That's how Germany ended up getting taken down because people just kept waiting and waiting for someone else to speak up. And after, after a while, it was too late. Look at history. Someone, we've got to raise our voice. And the voice that we raise is the voice of prayer. It says in Psalm 29, 8 and 9, The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kaddish. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory! Raise your voice. What's the hardest thing to do when you come into church on Sunday? Raise your voice. A lot of you are very quiet. I can tell you now, we must raise our voice. You've got to raise your hands. You've got to do a dance. You have got to use your body because God says in Romans that you present your body a living sacrifice. Where is sin? Sin is in the body. When you don't do it, the sin that is in your body is saying to you, stay down, stay down, stay down. Where God says, raise your voice. God says, stand up. The priests lay their ha- raise their hands by night in the house of the Lord. You are a priest of God and God commissions you to raise your hands in the night. It is not light. It is darkness right now. And God is saying to you as a priest of the Lord to raise your hands, raise your voice because the voice of the Lord comes through you and it gives birth to the spiritual things that God wants to bring forth in the earth. God is using your voice. I'm puffed. It says that the just shall live by faith, Hebrews 10, 38. We've got to fly. We can't see. We don't have the answers for what's going on in the earth and the world. And the, Mac, the more I look, sometimes the more confused I get. 
but you just got to come back and get it simple and say it comes back to Jesus. What's Jesus saying to me? It's interesting when you read through, and I, I really exhort you to this week, read through Deuteronomy 3, 4, 5 and 6 and look at what goes on as they come through. God says to his people, he says, I want you to hear my commandments and obey them. We live by faith. You don't do what someone else says to do. We do what God says. And the interesting thing, this week, we just started a 40-day fast because I woke up one day and I felt, what happens now we're in lockdown? And I felt God say to me, people feel they're losing control, losing their grip. And he said, what can you do? And he said, a 40-day fast. But a 40-day fast is hard. He said, ask everyone to just give one day of 40 days. We can all do a day. Some people are just fasting TV. That's okay. Just put your hand to the plow. This fast is going until the 17th of September. We've pretty much got more than one person on every day, which is awesome. I just want to give a shout out to this church and say thank you for joining and praying and fasting. But there is something we can do. You can pray. We are not victims. We are not at the... At the um, mercy of the enemy that has got his plans we are victorious and overcomers we just got to raise our voice how do we do that pray fast give one day your kids can do a day get them to fast from eight till four miss one lunch kids can do it if they're on holidays or something in fact kids do it all the time because they don't eat lunch they're too busy too busy playing. They come home and where's their lovely packed lunch that their mother gave them? Still in their port. <laughs> Say, good on you, son. You've been fasting today. I'm proud of you. Oh, fasting for Jesus. <laughs> uh, I used to travel on a bus and I'd forget my lunch and I'd get home and I'd be so hungry on the bus and I'd only ever have jam sandwiches and I'd pull out that jam sandwich, that soggy jam sandwich. And it was just the best thing ever. I just love soggy jam sandwiches. Still love them. That feeling of comfort, you know. I'd gone, I'd fasted the whole day. (laughs) Fasting and prayer, 40 days. Let me give you the sense of what happened. When we did this 40-day fast... God said to us, we've done, three, three, we've done two 40-day fasts, a 21-day fast in this church, and things just really have turned around. I went through my journal from 2011 to 2016, and I just went, whew. It's pretty exciting when we fast what God does. And I, last, the last Sunday we got together, we actually sang Shout to the Lord. How many of you remember that? Yep, we sang, and I thought, what a random song for Richard to put on the list. Why are we singing that? I got home during the week. I turned on IHOP. I never listened to them. IHOP from Kansas, City Prophets. Never listened to them. Turned it on, live streaming. What was the song they were singing? Shout to the Lord. I'm going, huh. My little prophetic ear goes, bing. And then I was going, that's very interesting. We go to, on Saturday, we had, four o'clock we go to lockdown, right? Two o'clock, we had our ladies' events. We had a dozen ladies at our ladies' events. If you weren't there, shame on you. You had two hours to go. (laughs) 
No, we had a great time and we got together. Nicole Wilson said to me, I woke up this week singing Shout to the Lord. She said, I literally got out of bed and I know in the spirit I was singing it. You know, sometimes you wake up and you know what you've been doing. And I was singing Shout to the Lord and she said, I got up and sang it in the shower and started to sing Psalm 91. You know, the promises I have in you, there's nothing like the promises I have in you. Psalm 91, they shall fall, 10,000 will fall at your right and at your left, but it will not come near you. And we started singing it. She tells me this on Saturday and I'm going, oh, this is awesome. What happens then? The next day, Pauline Middleton sends me a video and she goes, this no-name prophet, I never listen to the prophets, just don't. I figure that, you know, I have enough trouble keeping up with the things God's telling me. I don't need anybody else's <laughs> prophetic words. And anyway, she sends me this no-name prophet, nobody in particular, and she says, he mentions Brisbane and this is what he says. The Lord's telling me to bring something to you now. Brisbane, Brisbane, I hear something. It says, look up and look out. Look, get ready to shout. I go, woo, prophetic ears go again. <laughs> For I see something evil and something good. Shout and tear down the walls. Shout and lift up a standard against what's coming. Heads up, it's Brisbane. Brisbane, something like that. Heads up, I heard the Lord call my name, call the name Brisbane. Hallelujah. Well, now, that really put the hairs on my, my arm just stood up and I went, oh, okay, Lord, shout, tear down the walls. And uh, Peter's been preaching about tearing down walls, you know, gates. So has my attention. We have prayer meeting Monday morning. One of, the, one of the intercessors goes, I've been singing shout to the Lord all week. Then another one told me, I think Sandy said, I've been using in my prayer time, I've been singing shout to the Lord all week. I said, okay, Lord, you got my attention. You don't have to keep hitting me over the head with a brick. I get it. I'm a bit thick, a bit slow, but I get it. Shout to the Lord, tear down the walls. So we started the 40-day fast on this word. See, in the end, you've got to be obedient to what God is saying to you to do. In this church, we invite you to be a part of what we feel God's invited us to do, join in with it and say, I'm going to fast one day. I can shout, I'll tear down a wall, fortified cities. And then at the, um, during the week, Lorraine sends me a prophetic word that she said, look, I feel God saying this to us. This is before I started talking about the, um, how we're going to start a fast and pray against COVID, pray for deliverance for our nation, for repentance to come, for our nation to start to turn to the Lord. And she comes up with Job 38. And I invite you to participate with us in this. It says in verse 8, Or who shut in the sea with doors? Verse 10, When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. And I, she said, Let's pray this over our nation for COVID. Let's pray, here your proud waves must stop and no more. Can I invite you to pray that with us this week and just say, no more. You know, COVID, no more, no more. We command it and it creates a great visual picture for you to sit there in your car, wherever you go, you just stand there and you're just driving along the street and you say, no more. 
I command your proud waves to stop. No more. No more in Brisbane. No outbreaks in Brisbane. No outbreaks. And then keep pushing it back. Push it back. No more outbreaks in Sydney. No more outbreaks in Melbourne. Just push it back because the just live by faith. If you're faith, if by faith you believe you can have it, then you speak it. So take a hold of it according to your faith and say no more. If it's only around your family, then say, not going to come near my family. You know, on Sunday after we, we started the fast and I, I decided to start this, Monday I was in the prayer meeting, took communion and I said to Peter, I was about to do some typing, I said, I don't feel good. And I went back to bed and I had no cold symptoms whatsoever, just a few aches in my lower joints and this complete malaise. I slept on and off the whole day. Just joint pain. Peter said I had a little bit of a temp. So I, I got up and drove myself down to the doctors to get a COVID test, which was negative, just letting, putting it out there. And came back, hit the bed. You know, about seven o'clock at night, I thought, I don't feel too bad. I might have a piece of toast. And literally by eight o'clock after I had a piece of toast, it lifted completely. I woke up the next morning absolutely fine. See, the enemy just comes and pushes back against you sometimes. And um, it was nothing. Those who war against you are as a non-existent thing that tells you in Isaiah. Look it up. You don't have to do nothing. If you sense you're losing your grip, fast. You've got till the 17th of September. Text me and say, I'm going to do this day. Just send me a text. Send me an email. I don't mind. My phone number's on a card at the front. Just remember Jesus is our highest joy when it all gets too difficult. Remember Abraham. It's not just about you. God wants to bring blessings through you to others. And so can I encourage you to do that? Why don't you start a microgroup? If you're not already, you might say, well, I'm already in a, in a connect group. That's great. We want you in connect groups as well. But times are difficult. It's not the season to be alone. It's the season to get connected. And the world, suicide rates are going through the roof. People's mental health has just absolutely been devastated. What are you doing? Are you just sitting there and saying, it's my blessing and for, my four and no more? Go start a group. Invite somebody you know from work or so that's struggling and say, hey, why don't we have coffee with our masks next to us and let's just talk and pray or read the Bible together. Let's do something. You don't have to do nothing. And if you're in a connect group, that's awesome, but I suggest you drill down even further and invite one person into a group of two, make three, and start to talk about Jesus being the answer. And just help people and say, how are you going? Are you struggling? Can I pray for you? Just have a conversation. It is not that hard. How many of you say amen? amen. It's either amen or amen. How about we stand? Thank you, Jesus. The enemy will try to fight you and seize the inheritance. If you're aware of it, you just stay on course. Don't get distracted by the battle. Keep Jesus at your centre.